Happy post-Labor Day, Blue Jays fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Along with you tonight, Bryant Ott from whiteandbluereview.com. I go by Creighton Otter on the site. Although it's been so long since I've published anything, people don't even know who that is really. So uh, joining me tonight, Joey Tempo, Matt DeMoranis. We're going to recap everything that happened in the world of Creighton Blue Jays athletics over the long Labor Day weekend. And we're going to start with probably the biggest win of the weekend, and it happened for a team that played no games. Greg McDermott's Creighton Blue Jays men's basketball program gets yet another commit from yet another highly valued prospect and recruit. This time, Joey Tempo, tell us a little bit about the latest commit for the men's basketball program, Marcus Zagorowski. We kind of spoke about Zagorowski uh, last podcast and how we were really hopeful to get a commit by the time uh, we did this again. Uh, he took his first unofficial visit, like we mentioned last time, uh, the middle of last week, uh, went home, uh, slept on the visit, and then um, awoke uh, the next day, uh, ready to commit uh, on Sunday to, to Greg McDermott and the men's basketball team. And, uh, you know, it really can't be understated uh, just how impressive uh, this has been for the staff, a staff that, um, you know, lost a lot of leaders last year, uh, is bringing in talented freshmen this year, uh, and continues to just stockpile talent. Uh, you know, coming from uh, a Blue Jay fan and myself, who's uh, followed men's basketball and recruiting for, you know, upwards of 10 years, uh, greater than 10 years, uh, landing top 150 prospects seems to be the norm now. Um, but that's just, uh, you know, that's just not something we would have ever dreamed about eight, you know, six years ago. And now Creighton's uh, not only in the in the uh, picture for a lot of these players, uh, but, it, it, you know, landing the players they want and, and getting the players that, that they would choose uh, out of all the, all the guys that they're looking after. And so, like we had talked about last time, uh, Zagorowski's a six foot one, six foot two, uh, point guard, uh, very interested in getting his teammates involved. Uh, but one of his uh, better skills uh, is uh, he's a you know a very good shooter uh, in the uh, Nike EYBL uh, 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 AAU circuit this summer. I think he was uh, easily in the top ten for three point percentage. Uh, he uh, made a number of uh, you know, uh, you know I think he made forty three percent of his threes that he took, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, for an AAU circuit, considering he was the, the focal point of their offense. Um, and so other teams were putting not only their best defender, but sometimes their longest defender on him. Uh, and so for him to be able to get off his shot, get off his shot and make it at that consistent of a clip it, is pretty impressive. And I, I had seen videos of him, you know, some of those AAU games are streamed uh, and chronicled on YouTube. So you can go ahead and go and find some of his, uh, his matches. And, and he does, they have, uh, you know, other, other squads put, uh, some pretty big players on him, and he's able to get his shot off really quick. He's good movement, uh, good vision with the ball. Uh, and so um, I know the staff is very happy to, to land him because it really frees them up to uh, to look at some big prospects now moving forward. Right, so Zagorowski joins Ian Steer and Christian Bishop. You mentioned the rest of that class, not to get greedy or anything, but right now that's got to be – I think I tweeted yesterday that it's about a – it's got to be a top 20 class, and that shows how much I know because immediately 
I was corrected that as of right now, as it, as it would stand, I mean, it's uh, nationally, it's a top 10 class. And I know that it takes a while for the blue bloods to have those blue chippers fall into the right laps and stuff. But, um, you know, I think that it's really interesting to, uh, Matt, are you doing, uh, Matt, are uh, you sawing are you a like log right now? Or what are you doing? What is happening? Sorry. Are you starting a fire with a pencil or something like that? <laughs> what are you? Are you are you making your Hall of Fame, your Omaha Press Club Hall of Fame placard already, or what? Please, I have to <laughs> multitask. I have to. I have to. I have to do woodworking and fighting the review at the same this time. Is, this is just a. This is just a great example of how how mundane uh, Creighton grabbing a top 150 player is. You know, uh, eight years ago we would yeah. be over the moon for a three star number 140 or top 100 player from ESPN. Right. Nowadays this is just this is just um uh, this is just run of the mill, you know. But but in truth, I mean, we should really just be in, you know, have great respect for the coaching staff uh, that they're able to, you know, get in the ear and not only get these guys to sign up but evaluate and identify these players early on in the process. And if you ever read any kind of recruiting article whether they sign or didn't sign, Getting a guy, getting into a guy's, you know, circle early means a lot. And I think with Marcus, they were able to get in with him before he blew up. They identified him as a player, and they did this with Ian Steer, and they did this with Christian Bishop. Guys that they thought were going to have great summers did have great summers, and then when it came time to make a decision, they were they were able to wrap those guys up quick, which is tough in itself. So you got to identify the talent, build the relationships really prioritize those guys. And I think all three of those guys, if you could ask this coaching staff at the beginning of the summer or even the middle of the summer, who who do you want as one of your wings? They would have probably said Christian Bishop, number one. Who do you want as one of your forwards? Steer would have been easily number one. And uh, what kind of point guard do you want? I think Marcus would have been right up there as, as the guy that they wanted to lead the team going forward. So it really is impressive when you step back and look at that. And, uh, you know, now, now that we're competing with the Villanovas and the Georgetowns who can go and grab five-star talent, you know, or in theory can, um, getting these players to come in and be program guys, guys to build around for the next three, four years, you know, it really does lay a really good foundation for the men's basketball program. Are you saying that – Greg McDermott can recruit outside of having just a good son that was a basketball player? I, I mean, I, I think we always knew that. Uh, but if, if anything, the last couple of classes tells you. Getting getting Mitchell Ballack out of Kansas is just – it's absurd. I mean, that kid was a KU fan, and, and Creighton sold him on an idea, and he bought in. And I think that that just continues to – you tend to see that in other, in other recruits. They, they, people are buying what Creighton basketball is, and that's, that's a product of McDermott and his staff. Uh, and, and it, you know, and that'll pay. That'll hopefully start to pay dividends uh, as we as we continue on in the Big East, and you know we're a perennial top four, five, top three or two team. You know, you know upper half, upper echelon team, because uh, you know more than likely those teams are going to continue to make the NCAA tournament. The longer you make the NCAA tournament, we're fi- you know eventually we're going to get over that hump and get to the Sweet Sixteen, which I think what all Creighton fans would like as we see these. You heard it here first, in. folks. We will get over that hump someday. I, I just. I just don't see how if we have this kind of talent, if we continue to develop it God, and identify so. it, uh, that you know, at some point you're just going to have, uh, you know, some kind of magical run. So, 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 uh, let me shift real quick because I, it, one thing that during the last three, four, or five weeks that caught me, um, not by surprise, but it definitely was something different that I've seen 
public facing for the recruits that Mac and their staff have brought in recently. Ian Steer really heavy on Twitter. Um, when a guy like uh, Zagorowski would like talk about, you know, tweet about taking his visit, Steer right on them. You know, hey man, no choices. Just come and join us. Let's do this. You, you hear about that a lot in football. You hear a lot about that in the other recruiting uh, areas like player pressure, player promotion, just how much, Joey, do you think that that had to play in this decision? I mean, I'm not, I'm not tight with how these guys run um, AAU-wise, but, I mean, is that something where you think it, it plays a role, or is that just kind of an overstated sort of kind of recruiting um, myth that those players do really call, um, call into each other and, and really push for their services? I would say it doesn't hurt to have, uh, you know, a, a, a power forward who's busting up the AAU circuit and really making a name for himself, whose team ends up winning the AAU national championship as he hits the last shot. It doesn't hurt when that guy shouts you out to come play with him. But in reality, it's it's all about what what Marcus can do for Creighton and what Creighton can do for Marcus in the long term. And and, and again, that comes back to the coaches setting a clear vision for what they want his college career to be like. And he has to, he has to look at his options and think this is the best choice for me. So while, while, you know, that vision probably heavily includes playing alongside guys like Ian and Christian and talking to those guys and building that kind of relationship in reality, you know, it's, it's, you know, it might sound selfish, but it's definitely a more personal choice. Uh, you know, he thinks that Creighton can get him uh, into a professional league, into the NBA they think that uh, Marcus thinks that, that Creighton and Greg McDermott can highlight his skills the best. He's not wrong. Uh, Creighton's made that pitch to other players that haven't come to Creighton. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then they're, you know, it just is what it is. But um, I would say that the, the tweeting between players uh, probably isn't as big of a role. The tweeting to as fans to recruits probably doesn't play that big of a role. It certainly helps, but I wouldn't say that it, it necessarily will be the the, the, you know, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back to get a recruit to come to you. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what isn't, uh, what is it being undersold here is the relationship that Marcus has with current Blue Jays, Jordan Scurry and Caleb Joseph, because you mentioned that himself when I just got off the phone with him here about an hour ago. And, you know, Jordan's a kid he played AU with, uh, you know, one of his friends, Caleb Joseph, is a kid who obviously uh, is a little bit ahead of Marcus, but played, um, you know, from the same from the same area, played That's on cool. rival 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 prep school, and someone that Marcus has had a relationship with, you know, going back to before he was even a prospect. So I think you know, on the visit this weekend or this last week, you know, they were pretty pretty instrumental in kind of making him feel comfortable on Creighton's campus and getting in his ear about all the, you know, all the pros about, you know, what's good about being a Creighton Blue Jay and being in Omaha and being on campus and being part of that program. Yeah, so whether he, whether, whether, what, how much of a role Ian Steer and Christian Bishop played in the whole thing, I'm not sure, but I, I do know that, you know, he admitted Jordan Scurry and Caleb Joseph certainly played a role. So. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you talk about, you talk about guys who are from the East coast I mean, whether we like it or not, coming to the Midwest is definitely an unknown. It's definitely probably wasn't on his radar when he started when he started in high school. When he first started on his college, you know, you know, choice journey, 
he probably wasn't thinking Omaha, Nebraska was somewhere he wanted to end up. And so, you know, having guys from that area that could speak to how special Creighton is or what Creighton could do for you. And then it, you know, it's not all cornfields. There's stuff to do. The university is great. That kind of thing probably really does resonate um, with, with a guy like him. So, so that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point that, um, you know, those connections, those East coast connections, and maybe even the connection with uh, Preston Murphy, which I know you bring up in, in some of your tweets and articles, Matt, uh, between Preston Murphy being an East coast, you know, star in college and, and really now understanding what Creighton has to offer and, you know, being able to translate that to top prospects is, is very important because Creighton wants to continue to recruit out East and really make their a uh, bigger footprint out there. And so getting guys like, mm-hmm. like this uh, is huge. Yeah. And I like, uh, I don't know. I know people are kind of, people are really kind of highlighting his shooting ability right now. Um, but as a point guard, I like his instincts, you know, just from what I've seen, obviously it's hard to highlight that in a AAU setting, I believe, because you know, there's so many guys that are just trying to get theirs and it's not very structured, but you know, it looks like he has really good, uh, a really good feel for what's going on around him, especially coming off ball screens and things like that. I, I you know, which is obviously a big part of what Creighton does. Um, you know, he's got good handles that keeps the ball low to the floor. Uh, he's got good size. I feel like there's still some growth left to be had there. Um, right now he says he's 175, which I think I've seen, um, 165s kind of floating around there on some recruiting sites. So he's, he's actively trying to put on weight. He, he said that's a priority for him, you know, the rest of this rest of the time before he comes to Omaha, probably next, next summer. Um, and, uh, the championship center was a big draw for him too. You know, seeing the weight room and seeing the facilities and things like that. And I think right now he says he's six one and a half, so you round that up, he's you know, maybe he'll be six two by the time he gets here, things like that. So he's an ideal size point guard in today's game. You know, he could probably he's, you know, tall and long enough to score over smaller ones, but you know, still small enough to have the speed and ability to penetrate and split ball screens and things like that. So I like his overall, I like his overall skill set at the one, whether it's, whether he's a shooter and needs to develop the rest of his game or however he's been scouted so far, I think he's, he's going to be close to the complete package by the time he's ready to rock and roll in Graven tournament system, I believe. Yeah. Cause he's got a couple years, you know, Caleb Joseph will be around and then, uh, Davion Mintz will be around, so he, he won't be thrown to the wolves for better or for worse right away. He'll have guys to play off of, or he won't be given, hopefully, barring injuries, you know, given the reins to the offense right away, which really could benefit him to kind of learn the, the system and, and and understand what Greg McDermott wants, because if there's one position that's really tough to jump into, especially at Creighton, it's, it's point guard. And, and so being able to ease into that process uh, it has to benefit him. Um, and then, and then just looking about what Creighton has on their roster with him in the next couple of years, uh, you know, I, I agree. I don't think his main role will be a shooting point guard, a guy that comes down and looks for his shot. I mean, he'll have weapons all around him with Balak and, 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 uh, Alexander and, uh, Martin Cramples, Damian Jefferson, he'll have weapons around to, to get the ball to. So he won't be asked to score, but it's important that, you know, the defenders fear your shot. And I think that's something that, um, you know, seemingly at, at the level he was playing at with AAU, that usually translates into somebody who can usually shoot at the college level. 
Uh, if you look at past years, guys who rank in the top 10 for three-point shooting percentage in the Nike UIBL, you go on to have good shooting careers in college, whether that's for a mid-major or a high-major, they can shoot the ball. And so, you know, the fact that he's playing against elite talent already uh, speaks well for his ability to, to play at the next level. And then, you know, kind of moving forward here, that really does open Creighton up uh, with another scholarship for 2018 uh, to really swing for the fences. And I know people may, may, might not want to hear that uh, because of the whole Tugs-Bowen thing. <laughs> Tugs 2.0, baby, let's Tugs go. But there's there's a couple of players that Creighton has uh, longed after for a while. You know, they're in the running. And this this will be one of those things where Creighton can pull a full-court press on, on, on a, uh, you know, on, on one player in particular, kind of a combo guard out of Chicago named Ayo, Ayo Dosimu. Uh, who's top 30, continues to rise. Creighton has been on for a long time. And in yeah, every he interview – He's a point guard, Yeah, he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a point guard. I would say if we're talking point guards, he's more of I'm going to go get a bucket point guard than I'm going to oh, okay. you know, facilitate the offense. I think he can do both. He's flashy. He's 6'4". He's long. He gets to the rim. So he's definitely a different type of player. Uh, but But that could play into your benefit of saying, look what we already have. You know, you can be kind of, you know, you know, uh, the scoring option moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be a tough sell uh, to get him, you know. But, you know, whenever I hear an interview with him, even recently, Creighton's always one of the teams he mentions in his top, you know, five or so teams that's really tight. We'll have to see how Marcus's commitment changes that if it does. Um, but right. but being, being able to wrap up, you know, three solid players at key positions for the for your scholarship matrix moving forward, it really does allow you to, to target high tar- high end targets in 2018, and then really focus on some of the elite wings that you want in 2019, like Zach Harvey of KC. And so being able to start, keep making those connections and and go to their events or go to their high schools or text them because you've already got a solid class lined up, really does put you ahead of the game for the next couple of years in evaluating talent and finding out the next uh, Christian Bishop, Ian Steer, and Marcus Yurikowski. So if we can just list off this matrix so far of what, what Creighton has, um, you know, in the pipeline ready to roll, they really, I think they really are, and this might be a little hyperbolic, but they might be in one of the best positions they've been in in a long time from a recruiting standpoint in the short term. And I'll say this because Jacob Epperson looks like a kid who's who's only – the only thing that's going to hold him back early on is the physical part. So once he puts on the weight, I mean, he he's a really hardworking guy. He's an effort guy already, and he can already – I mean, he, already, he jumps higher than Justin Patton. He shoots better than Justin Patton. He doesn't have quite the passing ability that Justin has. So I'm not saying he's better than Justin as a basketball player. Justin was certainly a more skilled, more skilled athlete. But you know, I th- I, I don't think he's going to be a bust. If you know what I'm saying. And then you add Ian Steer to that mix. One year behind Jacob Everson or if Everson redshirts the same uh, same graduating year type of deal. Uh, Christian Bishop, Mitch, Al- Mitch, Mitch Ballack, Tyson Alexander on the wing. Who And Tyson Alexander, I'm not going to say he's Kyrie Thomas, but he's a better de- wing defender than I think I think I've heard about in his kind of, um, you know, his scouting reports and things like that. He moves his feet really well. He's got good defensive instincts. So, you know, he might be an on-ball guy um, once Kyrie moves on type of deal. Uh, so those are two wing guys, and you have Marcus, uh, point guard, Davion. guys like they, yeah, Marcus and Davion at point guard. So I mean, just think about, you know, how much quality depth you're building at, and then 
as well because positions there's not really five positions anymore there's kind of like you have ball handlers you have wings and you have bigs right and some of the bigs can be versatile they can stretch the floor they can pick and pop they can set ball screens they can you know do different things um Creighton's really in a pretty comfortable position as far as you know recruiting yeah goes for, about- the, for the for the short term because they have everything and, and, you know, and double, really. Yeah, if you talk about two people at a position, let's talk two years down the road. You got Davion and, and Marcus. Uh, wings, you got Tyshawn, Mitch, Christian. Uh, Biggs, you got Martin, Jacob, Ian. I mean, you're kind of pretty building quality depth. Guys that are maybe mm-hmm. not going to show up like a fresh a redshirt freshman year like Patton, but guys that are probably going to contribute and be you know players you can go to in a pinch. Uh, as a you know yeah. a sophomore a junior a senior guys that guys that the other biggies teams are going to hate and think that this guy's been around forever how has Creighton not graduated this guy already just getting these guys you know six to seven minutes as a freshman double that as a sophomore and then more than that as a junior I mean they are they're building depth at all these positions and again that allows you to really build connections with high-end players and really get a couple of elite talents uh, to build around some of these solid core players and again 10 years ago our elite player was on the cusp of making a top 150 ranking. Now our foundation is top 150. And so while these rankings yeah, really yeah. are meaningless, the fact that you're getting players that other staffs and other programs want to, to, to highlight, and now you're making that, you know, the, the, the building blocks of your team, it, it really does underscore that, that Creighton's a program on the rise. It shows because the players that are not, that are committing early are committing to Creighton. And sticking with their commitments, and, and um, you know, it just it's just really good to see. It's really good to see. Banning yourself right now. I was gonna say that was that's a nice way to go out on that point, <laughs> because every, <laughs> any team can. I mean, Matt, you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, Matt got Doug to come, and nobody really had Doug on their radar, right? Um, Central Florida, yeah. be damned, or whatever, but. Uh, you know, Northern Iowa and whatnot, but I mean, every once in a while you're going to get kids that just, they fly on the radar for that long and then they work, 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 and they, they're good. I mean, they just, they perform, but bringing in the talent that from a younger and younger and younger age is being scouted and is being graded and is being sought after by these other programs, that's an amazing place to be for a program that five, six, ten years ago, um, we were lucky to be in the conversation for some of these kids. So, And remember, I mean, Doug, is, Doug didn't graduate last year. You know, yep. we, had, we, had, no. we had an All-American as a sophomore on our team in McDermott a while ago. And Creighton was trying to land this kind of talent yeah. when he was a sophomore and couldn't do it. The Big East helps, but, but in reality, creating – and Nick Bob talks about this all the time perfectly – but creating that kind of style and brand – was always something that we always talked about in recruiting that Creighton could just never find their brand. And even when you had Doug on sports center and being a, you know, this highlighted player, Creighton couldn't land these kind of consistent top end players. And, and they've done well, they, they worked the transfer market for a while. It looks like we're going to see less and less of that moving forward, which is good because you'll get guys in your program that know exactly what you want. And you'll be able to ride them for four years as opposed to two. And so, you know, seeing that transition over the last couple of years, getting some of that higher end talent, um, you know, consistently is, 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 um, is special. And so we shouldn't take that for granted. You know, the coaching staff works hard and um, we should be very, um, 
pleased with what they're doing right now. They're earning their pay for sure. Anything else in the recruiting front before we segue to teams on the court? Well, one thing I'm curious about is, I mean, because Joey obviously is, you know, into them before they're kind of factors in, in Creighton's program, but I'm wondering how he compares uh, Marcus Zigarossi to maybe some misses like a Tremont Waters or something like that. Um, you know, did, did, did Creighton – I guess a question, if I can just try to put myself in a pessimistic point of view, did Creighton settle for, you know, the next best thing here as far as their options go? Well, that's my, I, I, that's I my job that, normally. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I really I really do think Tremont Waters is going to be an excellent point guard. Um, right. That whole story, uh, you know, it's really too bad because I, I do think that uh, Creighton – uh, really stood a good chance and really fits the way he plays. And I think he's going to, I really think he's going to do well. I think he's going to play a lot at LSU this year. And so, um, you know, I don't ever want to say that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'd rather have Tremont. That just won't happen. Uh, and did they settle for Marcus? Not at all. They had other options at point guard uh, for this year, other good top 150 options. And, and, and they definitely set up, uh, you know, prioritized, uh, Marcus and, and, and got him way before uh, he made any other visits, which is again another impressive feat. Um, um, but you know, you know, recruiting is so fluid. I mean, this this time three months ago, we were talking about a couple of UMass transfers that would have been great Creighton players, uh, but uh, are, is probably a better thing uh, looking at our class right now and how it's structured moving forward with freshmen coming in um, than uh, possibly redshirt uh, sophomores. I think that the, the scholarship matrix works out better going this route right now than having uh, some transfers or some late edition freshmen like Tremont Waters would have been. Because you just never know. You don't have those deep connections or, or you know, that, that really deep knowledge with those players because you kind of pick up on them late. Um, and so I think the staff is very happy with where they're at right now, and they should be. So how long before – I mean, I guess you said they can get creative with 2018, but that also doesn't really mean that they have to necessarily get, uh, you know, um, desperate they, with a lot, of, desperate with a lot of their time. Yeah, is they, there, they, they can. Is they there can, something? Is 2019 at all come into the come into their view at this point, considering how much they've already done for 2018? And I know these kids aren't locked up yet; they're just verbal commits. But you know, sure. Creighton's got a pretty good track record of keeping guys once they. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable in saying that I think the three commits Creighton has so far are going to sign uh, in the early signing period. That yeah. would be my guess, and I'm fairly confident that's going to happen. I think they're still going to keep an eye on some of the high schoolers in 2018 just because of the Marcus Foster effect. You never know when some kid um, is going to end up transferring from a school that they didn't like after freshman year, and then you want to be one of the guys on the phone saying, hey, remember we had some good conversations. You know, Look what we got going over here. Make sure you give us a look. So I think they're going to continue to look at some of those guys they think um, are worth it or would be good for the program. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I, a name that I came up over the week was Tiger Campbell, the, the DePaul commit from Lalu, uh, decommitted from Man, DePaul. Did, did, did that thing not shock anybody? I mean, you know, I was I – was, uh, Do you think he made a mis- – like, do you think he typed the wrong thing into his phone <laughs> and then, like, somebody told him about it later or something? Like, because, man, that was quick. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what has changed from whenever he committed this spring to right now. I I, I can't. Uh, the Lalamir the Lalamir head coach signed his contract. That's what changed. Yeah, so I mean, I, I just we talked I, about this. You know exactly what happened. <laughs> I mean, it's it's shady, but but and I and I've kind of already reached out, and I've I, I don't think 
that Creighton's going to He's more of a uh, uh, Zigorowski-type point guard than a Aodosamu-type point guard. So I think Creighton's got their floor general going forward. Uh, so I don't think Creighton's going to be involved in Tiger Campbell's process right at, whatsoever. Um, but kind of moving to your point, yeah, there's some really – that's um, my new fantasy. That's my new fantasy name, Tiger Campbell's process. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some really good 2019s in the Midwest. Like I said, Zach Harvey is a kid uh, out of KC. They've been targeting ever since he became yeah, a freshman. Yeah, tell, tell me about this kid. I've heard, I've heard quite a few things about him. What do you think about yeah, this kid? I think he's great. I, you know, he, he, he plays on the same AAU squad as Mitch Ballack. Uh, you know, Creighton's always recruited that AAU squad very hard. Uh, Harvey's been involved with USA Basketball. He's a six foot five wing. Um, you know, he's probably a top, top 40 player in the 2019 class. And, and if you look at how Creighton's lining up their 2018, uh, scholarships, uh, they're, they're going to want, uh, another wing in 2019, which sounds ridiculous because the two, uh, wings, the two star wings they got for 2017, haven't even played a minute of Creighton basketball, but Creighton's already looking to help bolster that wing front with, uh, with Harvey. And I think he's easily the top player on their board right now. They're high on a couple other point guards, but getting, again, getting uh, Zigorowski is um, something that they're um, maybe going to shy away from a, a 2019 point guard or kind of see how that works out. Um, mm-hmm. And so again, then you can look for need. What's the best player on the board? Do we have a shot at some of these elite talents? Um, do you want to grab another big? You have Kramples, Epperson, Steer. Do you need another center? Um, possibly. And so they really can be, you know, highly selective and, and really kind of read the tea leaves with how things are going in recruitment and kind of uh, put their chips in those baskets. And they've earned that, uh, that right, because they've got, uh, like we talked about such a good core moving forward. Yeah. What's well, the new bulls kid. What year is he? he? He's a 2018 kid. And again, that's a, that's a guy that was top 20 in the class. Creighton uh-huh. offered him really early. Cause again, he played for the same AAU squad as, as Zach Harvey and Mitch Ballack, the, the uh, run camps, run GMC KC guys. Um, on the AUs on the uh, Under Armour circuit, uh, but again, then he transferred out west. He's going to kind of a, a powerhouse high school in in LA. I think the the Pac-12 is his likely destination. And from from some of the things I heard, uh, rumblings in the AU world, doesn't sound like the the best kid. Uh, you know, he's super skilled. Uh, he, he he'll do things that you would never believe a seven foot something kid could do. And I know that's weird saying after we watch Justin Patton, but I mean, he could literally dribble coast to coast. Uh, he can pull up for three. So he's a, he's an elite talent, but I'm just not sure uh, Creighton would be all that, you know, hard pressed to, 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 to go and all in on him. So, you know, I don't think he's a very likely uh, candidate for their, for their 2018 class. Plus he's moved into the top five of their class. And so you're going to have to compete with Duke, Arizona, UCLA and Creighton's not scared to do that, but you know, in the long run, is it really worth your time and effort for a kid that maybe you're not hundred percent sold on uh, as culture wise? Probably not. Brian is like, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> sweet 16, please. <laughs> well, again, you, 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 it's so short sighted. I understand. You, it's short sighted. You recruit his kid, you recruit Manu Bull's kid. And then what do you tell Ian Steer who you've kind of sold this vision to, you know, now best, that guy's competing for your minutes. So that's where you really player, have to be. Best player really wins, be, man. Best player yeah, wins. Bring him in. Because you know what? <laughs> I think, like, granted, the videos I've seen of Ian Steer, he looks stronger than probably almost anybody on our team right now in the low post. Physically, yeah. he looks ready to go. But, I mean, 
like I mentioned earlier, for every school that finds a diamond in the rough or for every school that has these blue chippers pan out, there's also kids that are amazing in high school, highly recruited, come into schools with much fanfare and then just it doesn't work or whatever doesn't happen. So I know that you're trying to give kids a vision. I know you're trying to show the priority, but I also don't think you ever count your chickens before they're hatched and you would not I bring anybody, you know, I hear just you, because you, you promised a spot so or whatever. You, you, you do this. So here's the, here's the, here's the one thing I'll say about that is that the one thing I hear constantly and I don't try to like, I don't try to overreact to it if I hear it once or twice. But when I hear it repeatedly from almost every mouth, then I start to believe it, you know, more likely. And the one thing that a lot of these recruits keep saying uh, is just how honest it felt Creighton's message was to them sure. about their role and their part in the program going forward. So on that point, if Ian Steer was told a certain thing, that's kind of one of the strong part, parts of Creighton's foundation of recruiting right now is sure. how 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 much how likely they are to keep their word. The which, veracity, which, in their, yeah, the veracity in their statement. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Exactly, which which leads into whether this kid's going to transfer or not, and things like that down the line. You know, because your message has to be consistent and honest. Well, so Creighton is telling Ian Steer one thing, and then going out and recruiting another. No. That's going to send that mixed message that that and no longer applies. Let's let's get a little dirty here. I mean that that's that's a hundred percent true and and easily the first bullet point. But but also who's involved in this conversation are the AAU coaches. An AAU coach who's now supplied Davion Mintz, Tyshawn Alexander, and Ian Steer, frankly, to, to Creighton. Creighton's got more targets from that AAU circuit area in in Charlotte moving forward. Do you think Creighton or Creighton's really going to stand a good chance of getting somebody like a, a prospect down the future if they go and recruit over a guy that they've sold a vision to? No. Right. And although that might not translate to other coaches, you know that the, 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 the coaches talk about the college programs, which ones are being honest, which ones are not. And, 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 and that'll show with recruiting too. Um, so yeah, you just, yeah, just, yeah. Again, I agree. Honest, yeah, I agree with honesty, Joey. They're probably honesty is definitely the way to go with stuff like this. For sure. And you're right. I, you always want to get the best players. You never want players to be complacent, especially when they've never even played. But again, the fact that Creighton's able to identify talent, lay out lay out a plan for these players, and have those players buy in, it's it's Creighton's turn to, to also show that kind of loyalty to them as well. Because Ian Steer could have gone on all his visits. Ian Steer could have gone to Louisville. Yeah. Ian Steer would have yeah. loved Louisville. You and I would have I mean, loved that... going to visit to Louisville. Who would not like to go to Louisville? But uh, but, <laughs> but but my but wife wouldn't want me to go to Louisville. <laughs> yeah, my wife wouldn't want me to go to Louisville either. And so being Ian Steer would have been quite the fun time. But you know, the, the, he he reciprocated that kind of honesty. And Creighton, hundred percent, you know, has been a, an upstanding team at least in my view uh, of honoring those kind of, uh, you know, uh, commitments as well. So I just don't see Creighton so ever delving a, into that world. Here's an underrated part of Creighton's 2018 class. And let's, let's try to count it out here. So we've got Marcus Zagorowski who only visited Creighton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Top four, but he only visited Creighton officially. Yes. only visited. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ian Steer. How many official visits did he take? God, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it was many. I think it was just official visits. Yeah. yeah. I think just one. Right. And then what did Christian Bishop do? I think he just took one. Okay. So Creighton literally is has is three for three at the plate with three home runs in the 2018 class because 
these kids pulled the trigger after visiting Creighton. They didn't drag them out. They didn't say, I'm considering all my options. They probably considered all their options, but once Creighton made their pitch, that pretty much sold, sealed the deal. Yeah, I so mean, far, right? All, all these guys take unofficial visits, which, again, you're seeing sure. everything you want to see on unofficial visit. But again, you're right. These kids could have an all-expense-paid-for trip with with a parent or a guardian, an AU coach, yeah. to go, you know, to a football game and at USC or Florida or wherever. And so, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to get them to turn down that kind of offer is is telling. Is telling. And if there was Zigarowski's got Zigarowski's got Washington and Ohio State in his final in his final four, along with Creighton. So you're talking about. What, yeah. Ohio State-Michigan football game, Washington-USC yeah. football game? I think all the trips yeah. you could have made. Just think about what you could do with those trips. That'd be unbelievable trips. <laughs> exactly. As a high school senior. Exactly. And, and, and Mark so, is probably listening to this going, he's probably listening to this going, yeah. oh, man. You're yeah, Good job. Good, uh, Good job, yeah. Matt. Hey, hey, uh, Marcus. <laughs> Creighton plays soccer. It's pretty fun, though, man. So maybe you should come out and watch one of those games, huh? Do they, do they ever score goals? Uh... I mean, they, they, they did this weekend. I, I think they broke yeah. the seal. Let's hope that, that that broke the seal. Should we transition over to that since we yeah. just talked about yeah, it? Should we, t- we should talk some soccer? Talk some fo- footy. Come on. All right. Well, let's let's jump right in. I yep. watched that Stanford Creighton game. I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry, man. Uh, that was pathetic. I watched the U.S. Oh, pathetic against Costa Rica. I watched Creighton's pathetic attempt against Stanford. And let's not take anything away against Stanford. They're they are very good. They have a lot of very first good of players all, on their team, and they're very well coached. And they were at home. So first of, so it's, first so it's of all, like on it's, Stanford, it's a bad did, loss. Did everyone see that header for their third goal? I mean, it. it, it the, the what Creighton on had, earth? That's not a human being, man. No, a human no. being can't do that. Yeah, they can. It was a good snap header. It was about a 14-yard header snapped into the corner, and that was a great goal. But if you watch Kluber the defense, Kluber would have gotten killed if he tried to stop that thing. <laughs> It was a that laser. Was I've, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen I've seen people score headers like that. It was a great header, but I mean, again, oh the build God. up to that, the build up to that goal, there's no excuse. I mean, no. Creighton looked like they wanted no part of that game really from the beginning, and and mm-hmm. and, and that's disappointing because we talked about it last week before before the women played volleyball in the tournament and the men went out. This was a huge opportunity for Creighton to right the ship against. You know, a really pathetic performance against Virginia Tech in the second half. And they have tons of seniors on this team. And they have tons of elder players on this team. I mean, some of even the freshmen that they brought in are old. They're not 18-year-old freshmen from Germany. These guys are these guys are men. They're 20, 21. MLS pros, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I mean, Marios Loomis is 24, <laughs> 23-year-old grad student. I mean, these guys are not young. They're not, they're no. not naive. They might be naive to the college game, but once once the whistle goes and you get a you know you get some tactics from your coach, it's soccer. And these guys these guys are playing a lot younger than 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 um than they should be. And I, and I think that um, against Stanford, it was very disappointing to see uh, just just no effort from some of the team, and a, and a lot of heads were down and so, and this. I think it was on their second goal, and I've never I don't think I've ever seen this before, but on their second goal. The the kid is literally dancing on the end line. Yeah, like the, he's just walking down there. First goal. And yeah, it was the first. Yeah, goal. and it was I yeah. Mean, so then he then he gets then he gets to the post, and at that point, what are you hoping to stop then? Yeah, I mean, because literally he can he can kick it off of you, and it goes in the net. You know, so yeah, I don't understand. Like I am, I guess I am a little bit 
I'm marketing. I, you know, I know we have a few pod. If we can go back a few podcasts, I think my dumbass said that I wasn't concerned about this defense at all. Oh boy, two yeah. weeks later, like and I, that's the defense. I'm more concerned about the defense in the back line than 100%. I. Hundred percent. And, and about I'll, the offense at this point. I would have echoed that if Creighton would have would have tied Cal zero zero. The offense is not is not the problem. The defense no. is the defense is going to be a problem moving forward. Now, how much how much of the defense can we lay on the four defenders and the goalkeeper? Uh, you know, maybe a sizable amount, but let's be honest. In the formation that Creighton plays, the first defenders are the attacking players, and if the attacking players are going to get are going to let players buy them easily or not defend hard up up high, then they're just leaving their defense out to dry. And in my and, and from what I saw against Stanford, there was no connection between the midfield and, and, and the defense, and 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 yeah, that that might be a product of them not playing very long together you know if you, if you go back and listen to some podcasts some of those guys were late additions to the team not sure if the ncaa was going to clear them and some of those guys are trying to play clear clear roles and so maybe those guys haven't had the practice time but the effort was just not there and it's, it wasn't there against stanford wasn't there against grand canyon it really wasn't there against virginia tech after the first half an hour and so mm-hmm. it, it, it was very disappointing after the stanford game that they're now one and two and, and they just did not look like they they had woken up yet, and and it's that's that's disappointing because they have so many adult men and seniors on this team. Um, and the so, way you so, said that, it made it sound like they had senior citizens on their team. <laughs> adult men and well, seniors. I mean, in, in, in college soccer, if you compare their age, if their <laughs> aggregate age to Stanford's, I think yeah. Stanford's probably three years younger. I know. And Stanford and Stanford's and got great players better. and great young players, but I mean, they, they they Creighton wanted no part of that game. And they had a big opportunity to go out there and show what they were made of. And that might not have led to a win, but at least a fight. And, and, and didn't see a lot of that against Stanford. And that, and that was disappointing, which really concerned me going into the Cal game, what kind of Creighton team was going to show up. Because the Creighton team that was out there against Stanford, again, wanted no part of anywhere on the field. And so coming out against Cal, Creighton was very aggressive. And Cal's Cal's not doesn't have a great record, but they have good you know they have professional players on their team too. They're well coached. They're, they're packed. Yeah, they played, they yeah. played UCLA tough. They played Stanford tough. That's not an easy side to. I mean, no. three to nothing against that side is not something to sneeze at. No, no, it's a great result. And but what but what's more impressive is that they fought and they played hard and they they were hard in the middle. They they you know they fouled. You know they did not make life easy for Cal. And then the goals came. And again, once the goals come for this offense, I just think it's downhill. Um, really? I think they're going to finally start connecting. They're finally going to find their roles, uh, know where each other is going to be, and they just have too many attacking weapons this year to 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 um, to not score. And so I think that now that they're a little bit more confident, um, I, you know, I think that their offense will begin will really continue to click. Um, South Florida is a team that's really not been tested very much. I think they've only played a couple games. They lost to Butler in overtime in Florida, I believe. I think they just won over the weekend too. Um, uh, but um, they, uh, they're, they're a team that, that, that you know, will give up goals as well. And so I think um, coming back uh, for Soctoberfest, rowdy crowd, uh, you know, good atmosphere. I think Creighton owes it to the fans uh, to, really, uh, to really go out and fight hard and really um, you know, show what kind of personality they have. How do you yep. feel about the potential matchup with uh, 
UNO, who's got some momentum, 4 0, ranked yeah, in the top 25. Yeah, I mean, UNO's, UNO's de- definitely played well. I mean, I, the, the Virginia Tech game was shocking. I didn't get to watch it because I was, you know, yeah. watching the Grand Canyon game. Uh, but um, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, they, they've got, you know, they've got some press. It'll be interesting to see how their team handles some of that pressure. Uh, will they be the favorites yeah. going into the Creighton game? Possibly. Uh, on paper, yeah, we're a month away, so a lot, a lot could happen. But yeah, yeah you're it's, right. it's very far away, so a lot, lot could happen. And you know, you know, didn't have the toughest schedule this weekend. Uh, they went down and played in a tournament. I think they played Houston Baptist or um, some, you know, some not elite schools like Cal and Stanford. And so it, it'll be interesting to see um, uh, come, you know, what is it, September, late September when they play, uh, just, just uh, kind of where the teams are at, not necessarily record wise, but just uh, you know, if UNO has been been able to deal with the pressure. Um, because Creighton's been been under pressure, and they should be. Uh, they have, you know, they have, even though they they won against Cal, you know, this team should still be feeling a little heat. They need to turn it up because they got South Florida, and then they start Big East play with Butler soon. So it's not, uh, it's it's definitely something that they really need to to get on the the ball for now because they don't have many opportunities to win a lot of games. This team, uh, uh, this Big East schedule is tough, but the Big East has not showed very well in, in non conference play. This Big East is probably not getting in more than three or four teams to the tournament, uh, so they can't I'd afford. Say, I'd say I'd say four right now, don't you think? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I would say, um, yeah, probably. Providence, Georgetown, Butler, Creighton. Yeah, right? Georgetown's been very good again, and, and yes, again, they have. That, that's a, that's this is the this is the year where Creighton goes to Georgetown, goes to Providence, goes to Marquette, and that's you know, and and, and goes Marquette to Marquette is Marquette is garbage though. True, true, but they're perennially good, and and every other year Creighton has to play those teams away and that's tough because you look at Georgetown a blue blood of the Big East for soccer Providence has been a blue blood of the Big East for soccer Marquette had been good they're not you know up right now Butler's great those are all four road matches in the Big East that's a tough not that's a tough conference slate all away you know playing uh, St. John's or, or, or Xavier who's who's good DePaul at home that's that's the easier home schedule uh, in this rotation, it would be nice if Creighton could mix this up because having to play those four schools every other year away really is tough. And I think Creighton yeah. tried to schedule a little lighter because it knew it had its, you know, some of its tougher conference games on the road. And so, um, yeah, you know, the Big East. Well, I mean, when they, when they got those teams at home last year, when they end up, they lost to Providence. Uh, they beat the rest. They beat, they beat Butler. Yeah, they beat Butler. They beat Marquette. They beat, they beat Georgetown. Georgetown yeah. So, I mean. It kind of comes and goes. You kind of they, they they beat him up last year, and now it's the other team's turn. So true. It's kind of what you get with the with the with the soccer schedule where it flips like that. You know, when you alternate road and home, that's kind of what you have to deal with every other year. Yeah, so. I hear you, but I mean, look, but I mean, you know, you know what's, but but in the in the short term, in the short term, what's interesting is this South Florida match on Friday is going to be. I think I agree. I, I agree with Joey in the fact that I think they need to keep the momentum rolling, and I think they need a sharp effort against South Florida because the next they don't have Butler for eight days, so there's a chance for some rust to kind of develop there. But in the in but in, on the flip side, to spin positive, there's also a chance for Creighton to be a completely different team by the time they get into Big East play. By the time that Butler game shows around, because um, there's just so much time between to develop that chemistry. 
you know, and I know probably match time helps that a lot, but also now, practice I'll, time on the field certainly does too. So. I'll, t- I'll tell you that that break is not something the coaching staff is worried about. The coaching staff continually, no. continually harps that there's too many games too quick yes. in succession. And so the fact that they played more exhibition games this year and lightened their schedule was purely to help mm-hmm. with travel. And the fact that they wanted yeah, more practice, yeah, they wanted more practice time with this team. And if there's anything we've seen so far, this team could use more practice time. They need to learn how to connect <laughs> defense to offense. And until that, until that happens, that nice. they're going to struggle in the back. They're going to struggle my they might, But, I mean, they might be scary by the time September 16th rolls around. When they had to Indy for Butler match, that would be a scary club we're looking at, you know. And, that, and, that, and that's, that's the Bernthal Booth method, right? How, how important is it to get all these wins and rack up wins, be number one in the nation September 30th? Is that, is that important wow. long term? Or is it more important to build so your best soccer is at the end of the year? Because for too long, we've yes. watched Creighton peak early. And they've, they've uh, scored no, nonstop goals against all their non-conference foes. They end up beating Stanford at home and going and winning all these games on the road against ACC schools. And then come December, November, no legs. They have no, they have no stamina. Their, their momentum is gone. And so I wonder if this is one of those things where they look, they're looking and they're saying, we're going to get guys like Daniel Rebus. We're going to get guys like Luke Hackinson like important minutes in important positions so that when we need those guys long-term at the, at the end of the year, they're going to be there. And they're, they're, they're building depth. They're playing lots of players, a lot more than they usually play, you know, in, in big moments. And so uh, I, I do think there's something to be said that Creighton's really looking to be the better team uh, in, in the beginning of November uh, than, really, than really maximizing their efforts here in, um, you know, late August, September. But you need wins. You can't make the NCAA tournament if you're five, five, and five. You right. don't make the tournament if you're that record. So, so you want to you want to continue with this whatever strategy you're going with. But you just literally need wins, and you need wins against quality teams. You can't rack up wins against St. John Drake and DePaul. You're going to need some good wins, and that's why getting Cal win was good. But they were not. I, I guarantee you they were not expected to lose to Virginia Tech, even though Virginia Tech's good. They, they were. Yeah. They were really. I'm sure they were pegging that as a win. They were hoping to start the year three and one uh, with more, more, more than likely a loss at Stanford. Um, and so being two and two uh, with South Florida on the docket and then Butler, I mean, th- you know, you, there's a little bit of pressure that goes along with that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting Florida. how they react. South Florida coming in. But, but it sounds like you're, I mean, South Florida, they start the season in the polls and, uh, you know, lose to Butler and Indiana last weekend. Who are good teams. Uh, yeah, they're good teams. Yeah, very good teams. Too. Yep. Like, they're at that point as well. You're not going to get into the NCAA tournament in that conference with, uh, you know, anything less than uh, – A road a road win at Creighton is something they're right? probably pegging from the beginning. For like sure. we, that, that is that is a that is a, uh, yeah, is a signature win, and I guarantee you that they're targeting mm-hmm. that as, as, as what they wanted from the beginning. So – so we need there needs to be good atmosphere. The the the, the players need to come out and really uh, uh, you know really show well. And I think that Elmar was uh, there was a video posted by Creighton Soccer talking about uh, lineups from Niatawa, kind of interviewing Coach Bulovich a little bit. And you know I, I still yeah, I was there too. Oh, I, I didn't hear you. I couldn't I couldn't hear you sawing wood. Cut the video point. off. Yeah, well, I didn't get I, to ask my questions. You know, I, I think I think that they're still they're still they're you still looking for the You don't get to ask the questions because you know all the answers, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't doesn't Coach Bulovich ask you for advice right. about soccer at the point? Right. Yeah, that's I heard how you it goes. and Coach Bulovich went to Alaska <laughs> together to hunt. Yeah, it was just a, it was just him picking my brain the whole summer. That's all of that course. happened. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you're no. But what Joey's what Joey's trying to get at here is mentioning, you know, uh, maybe moving Ricky Lopez Aspen back a little bit more into what he alluded to earlier as far as helping the the defense get that connection up to the midfield to get the offense going because he, you know, with Creighton's offense being kind of um, with Creighton's defense kind of being predicated on how much possession they have and how much pressure they're putting on the opposing defense. So uh, that's yeah, just, something they employed against Cal with, and obviously it was effective. So Yeah. I just, I just don't think moving him farther away from goals, the answer long-term. And so if this is one of those things where they're going to stop gap this and put him back for a game or two to help get some legs under some of the newer guys to, to help connect, um, then, then I guess that's fine. If we're working towards something in the long-term, I just don't think he's going to have the kind of legs to be as effective. Like we said, in October and November, if he's playing 80 minutes as a center midfield pivot player, it's just yeah. going to wear, wear him down too much. He's going to be on the ball too much and, 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 and you know, fouled too often, and they're going to disrupt flow. And if you put him back in that position, it's going to be fairly easy for other teams to start, start scouting. Well, let's just not let him get the ball and, and then forcing ball into other players' uh, feet that maybe aren't as good at creating or connecting like that. So they really need guys like Joel. They really need guys like Kuba Polat to really own that position. Um, and, I, and I think they can. Um, I thought they did against I thought Kuba and Joel were really good this weekend. Yeah, I, thought I did too. And so, Joel, I thought Joel was good against Stanford. And, and yeah, and, and Joel, I mean, Joel might be one of the, you know, the, the best player. I mean, he might be the better, one of the better players. I think he's one of the better players on the team. I think he's one of the better. Say it, Joey. Say it with confidence, Joey. <laughs> Joel is, Joel is the player that needs to connect the defense, to the offense. And yeah. I, I just, I, I wonder if Joel kind of floats too high to get near the goal. And I, 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 I don't know if they have defined that perfectly for him right now. You know, when, when you when you look at a yeah. soccer field, there's numbers on the field, and, and, and Joel needs to be the number six, the guy that hangs back in the midfield, connects the defense to the offense. And um, he's done that for Creighton in the past, and I thought um, bringing Kuba Polat on, in uh, would really help alleviate some of those worries. And Kuba's looked good so far, too. And, you know, it's only his third game in NCAA, you know, NCAA play, so it's hard for you to really rail on a player who's only played three games. But, you know, that's a guy with a good pedigree that, if he can, if he can become that number six for Creighton, that really does free up Joel, which will then in turn free up Ricky. And so they really need to figure out that number six role. That's a that's a role that no matter who, what Elmar team uh, has, you know, what Creighton soccer team has had, has always had a great number six. Whether it was Andrew Ribeiro or uh, uh, Sergio Castillo, who's a little before Bolovich, or, or you know, or um, uh, Rick, uh, Ricardo Perez, they've always had that good that link play player. And this year, I you know I thought it was fairly obvious to be one of those two, but they just haven't owned that spot yet. Uh, and so Creighton really needs you know somebody to own it and really become that leader of that position and, and go from there. Because they've been trying different you know, players, and I just don't think any of the players are putting there other than Joel Arcuba. It, that, that's their best. That's their best position long term. Whether Noah's been there or or Ricky's been there, those guys are way more effective in other spots. And having to drop them back there just is not the right. It's not the right position. You know what else needs to stop happening? Sven Koenig needs to stop running offside for crying out loud. I mean, it's one of those that things. That guy more offside than watch, shots so far know, in the season. I know. Yeah, it's been it's that's been dis- disappointing. But it's one of those things. Good good strikers are offsides nine times, and then the tenth time they score. And so right. it's what you know. If, if Creighton can figure out that final ball, he's going to be mm-hmm. in on goal 
two, three, four times, and he's going to put it away a majority of those times. So it's all about the timing. It's all about getting those guys reps to, to yeah. when they release the ball, to when he makes his run, because it's all clunky right now. And it's because the, that their positions aren't well-defined, and that's not the coach's fault. The players really need to really work hard to, to own their role and listen to what the coaches are saying. And then once they find that, that, that formation, they, just, they have so many weapons all over the pitch uh, to spring into uh, you know, for offense that it, it really will get going if they can figure it out or, or stay confident enough until they do find it out. Um, but uh, I, I, thought, I thought Sven was really dynamic against Grand Canyon. I told you. I thought, I, he, I, thought he, I thought he had two goals against Grand Canyon easy based on just his 1v1 situation. So he's, and I, told uh, you, year, I thought he was one of the more dynamic players in the team and a guy to watch out for. And I still hold by that. I think he's going to be a difference maker for this team, uh, but they just can't connect with him right now. And that's been disappointing. Mm. <laughs> that is a great opportunity for us to segue to Kirsten Burkhalder's <laughs> volleyball program. I mean, as much as, I, as much as I love talking <laughs> about our men's soccer players by just their first <laughs> names, um, you know, yes. I think, uh, no, I mean, it's Oktoberfest. It's always a great time. Always and, a great time. Um, I'm going to miss it this year. I'm, I'm yeah, because that's a nice segue, right? You're taking the road trip to where you had right. like, your epiphany last year of your greatest Creighton sporting event uh, that you witnessed in person last season. So you're hoping that's not hyperbole. That's absolutely true. No, I'm not saying it's hyperbole. I'm saying where you had your epiphany, where you just had that that out of body experience with uh, the five setter in the NCAA tournament between the blue Jays and the Kansas Jayhawks. You're going back to the scene of the crime and I'm um, hoping to see the Jays pull out another one in yet another difficult early season uh, tournament for the Jays or Invitational for the Jays, the Kansas Invitational, coming on the heels of winning their own Blue Jay Invitational. Matt DeMarinas, tell me all about the weekend that you had at Sokol Arena. I thought it was a successful one. I'm not sure what we settled on as far as what would be considered a good weekend or not, but I mean, I'm pretty, I, I guess – Creighton dropped two spots in the rankings, whatever. But, uh, I mean, they went 2-1. and one. They beat a very good Kentucky team, a very good Northern Iowa team, and, you know, just slept in too early against USC. So, uh, or too late against USC. I thought they played really good volleyball against Kentucky. I thought the crowd, the atmosphere was insane. More so for any event I've seen at DJ Sokol Arena, for sure. Yeah, I watched it um, on the stream. It looked awesome. It looked awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of bummed I missed that game because it looked unbelievable. And and you know, I you know we talk, and I don't want to interrupt you, but we talked about what would be no. success. We, we talked about what would be successful this week, and I said three and zero, and you said one and two. And granted, you know, USC. I went to that game. I mean, USC was a buzzsaw. The, those girls were amazing. And you know, Creighton just never looked up to it. And uh, you can't really blame them. I'm coming off the high for Kentucky, but getting that kind of uh, you know, getting a home court advantage for as long as possible to replicate what the atmosphere was like against Kentucky has to be what Creighton is aiming for for the rest of the year. Because oh, I can no guarantee doubt. you that if Creighton has a, a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight game somehow at DJ Silk Arena, oh that God. place is going to be bananas. It's going to be bananas. Ooh. I mean, can you imagine packing the craziest Creighton fans at the clink into DJ Silk Arena for a volleyball match? Because that's what can it'll you be. Imagine, can you imagine Nebraska getting sent there on a Saturday for an Elite Eight? Like I literally... I could not Jeez. even imagine that place. It would be it'd be bonkers, and that that would that would that would really elevate the program in my eyes so much. 
Uh, just, just yeah. to, you know, and they're they're already you know one of the elite programs of the last couple of years, I would say. But but have, having that kind of home match, uh, you know, it'd make lifelong volleyball fans out of a number of people in Omaha and Creighton Absolutely. fans of that. And so that's why it's important to, you know, get those get those pivotal games uh, at home. And I I think that kind of going back to soccer. I mean, there were some crazy soccer matches that Creighton played on the way to the College Cup that I know people still talk about. And people that those were their first Creighton experiences seeing an Elite Eight game at Morrison Stadium that are now season ticket holders. And I think that, you know, you talked about uh, after the Washington match, Creighton gaining 60 or 50 season ticket holders. You know, that that only is going to help the program be successful, be profitable, you know, and, and, and be something that people an event to go to. Uh, and so seeing that Kentucky match was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Pat, and, it, and it wasn't I mean, it was literally packed to the. To the highest point, to the farthest point, standing room only, max capacity. I mean, and I think max capacity is around 26, 70 something, and they were about 100 people short of that. So it was wild. And they swept Kentucky, who was a very good side, obviously. Uh, and, and they swept them, really didn't really contain Kentucky, and still swept them, which was encouraging because Kentucky's outsides, which were obviously their, you know, their major weapons and you know, what Creighton was most concerned about, had really good matches. I mean, they, they, they terminated at a high, high, high efficiency. Um, you know, and, and Creighton obviously passed and served better. That's kind of how they dictated the match. But, you know, for Creighton to sweep Kentucky when Kentucky's offense was still hitting a decent clip, especially their best players, you know, I think it's really a, a shot of confidence going forward no matter who they play in the NCAA tournament, no matter what, you know, knowing that you don't have to knowing that Creighton didn't have to be perfect to win and win convincingly. Um, the USC one was. Yeah, what was that? The USC one was, the USC one was tough to analyze for this reason. USC went one. I don't know if you guys know, but USC went one and two this weekend. They lost yeah. in four sets to North. They lost in four sets to Northern Iowa. Yeah. They lost in four sets to Kentucky and swept Creighton. So, they were literally just and, – and, and I watched all three UFC matches. And I'm telling you, the Creighton one was the only one that they were locked in for. So I yeah, don't know almost, if they didn't – It's almost like they only scouted Creighton because that Kayla – Yes, it seriously was. Kayla that was, the, was amazing against Creighton. I think she was the best player oh, I saw was, all weekend. I mean, she could not be yes. stopped. And Creighton could not put enough blocks, and she would go around. I mean, she was amazing they for them. And so they couldn't, it, it, they couldn't, they couldn't stop her on the pin. They couldn't stop her from the back row. Anywhere USC put her, yeah, whenever they yeah. set her a ball, I, it was getting. Yeah, I mean, they were just she was crushing it. And so it did. It looked like USC said, "Screw these other programs. We're only going to go. We're going to go full bore against Creighton. We're going to scout them." And they were. They found all the holes in Creighton's defense every yeah. single time. It seemed like, and so it did. They knew. They knew how to beat Creighton. And. and it seemed like the blueprint because they, Creighton had no no shot in my – I mean, Creighton was no, shell-shocked no. from the beginning. That first set was great and close, uh, but you just never feel like Creighton, you know, could get over the hump or get back in it after, after that first set. It just never was there for him. Right. And, and USC – USC's defense was – Oh, everything. The only, time, the only time USC's defense was really good was against Creighton. Against Kentucky and Northern Iowa, there were so many holes in the back row. I mean, Kentucky and Northern Iowa were terminating at a really high rate against both of those teams. But against Creighton, it was like, no matter where close at the ball, no matter where Jaylee hit the ball, I mean, Northern Iowa was digging it, getting blocked, or USC was digging it, getting block touches. It was like, where was this at yesterday? And then later in the day, they come back, you know. And if they had beaten, if they had beaten Kentucky, 
yeah. and Creighton had beaten Northern Iowa, yeah. USC would have won the tournament. Yeah. So it's not like USC had nothing to play for in that Kentucky match. Everybody has something to play for that those last two matches. And they I, still laid an egg. I think you said, I think I think USC overlooked Northern Iowa, who's scrappy. Yeah. I, I don't think they took them seriously. And again, when I didn't watch the USC Northern Iowa game, but when you when you look, watch Creighton U and I, I mean that, that was a clear signal to me of just the, the level of talent has changed at Creighton versus yeah. when it was in the Valley. I mean, USC, watching them in Creighton play, again, Creighton, uh, USC was digging up everything, blocking everything, and it seemed like every ball that was maybe just coming over the net for where Creighton could kill an overpass against Kentucky, it just was staying on USC's side. And a yeah. remarkable dig by them was turning into offense for USC, which is just, it would just seem like just enough um, that Creighton just could not get those breaks and, and the game wasn't close enough where it was like a couple breaks, but you know, every yeah. single time Creighton would have a great hit, you know, USC would remarkably dig it and Creighton just couldn't recover. And then they would, they would have a kill right after that. And so it just seemed like every single time things broke USC's way. Um, but then watching a, uh, you know, USC and Creighton, you couldn't, if you put, you know, white shirts on the teams, I couldn't tell you which was the PAC 12 school, and which was the Big East school. I mean, the athletes for Creighton, and the athletes for Kentucky and the athletes for USC all look the same to me, you know, and that, and that speaks volumes to Bertha mm-hmm. Boost recruiting to Creighton's, uh, you know, level of where they are as a program, because, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago where, you know, there was some, there was some, you know, athlete disparities like against Northern Iowa, Creighton just overwhelmed Northern Iowa um, in the third game of, of this tournament. And, um, until you see next year's recruiting class. Yeah, well, that's what people keep saying. So it just again, Creighton recruits. <laughs> it, it seems I don't, you know, I, I'm t- I, I, it's hard. It's hard to hype it up because they don't have like highlight reels like men's basketball players do. So that's all I can really say is like, well, wait till you see next year's class. Ty- I mean, they have- I, I heard that Tiger Campbell is going to be the libero. Is that true? <laughs> he can take remember anything the, with that hair. Remember the name. Anything remember the name Keely Keely Davis. Remember the name Keely Davis. Well, they have another Ankeny girl coming in too, don't they? They have. I mean, every year they get somebody from Ankeny, Iowa. I know, right? No, I don't think they have an Aiken girl next year. Jayla Zimmerman? Zimmerman's, uh, no, she's from Nebraska. Oh, is she? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, again, back yeah, to but, the uh, like the, the athletes on Creighton, I mean, unbelievable. I, I just, it was it was in awe watching them live, watching them on the stream. For the first time, I you know, watching every point kind of to help break down on here, uh, they, they were unbelievable. I mean, they are the, they are the real deal, and it was it was exciting to watch. And I hope we can watch say, more big matches at DJ Sokol. Would you, would you say that they're Creighton's best chance to win a national title? <sighs> yeah. I would say um, – I would yeah. say if I, were to, if I were to go back on what I said earlier, I would be not a very good podcaster. So I'm going to stick with the men's soccer oh, team. Oh, no, you'd be exactly <sighs> like all the other podcasts. They are, are going to hit on all cin- cylinders at the end of the year. That'll, that'll be what I say. I'm just saying, Brian, it sounds like Joey's converting, you know. That's I'm just fine. saying. I'm – I'm a volleyball kinda, guy. I played volleyball. He kind of took over that. He kind of took over that segment with awe right there. I mean, let's I, it, it was. Yeah, it was first awesome of all, that was pretty sweet. Like Joey, you're really you're firing on all cylinders tonight. You're doing a great job. Um, <laughs> it's the Joey Tempo podcast. We're just kind of sitting there, like, <laughs> right? Like, we got to think of like as fans of his, like quick tempo with Joey Tempo, like some shit like that. <laughs> some name. Um, but it, you know, I I don't know. I God Kansas City. That would be so great. Are you just over? Are you just are you just overwhelmed with all the positivity coming from Creighton's campus right now? Like recruits, commits. No, it's good. Good volleyball, good soccer. It's it's a good time. I mean, it's a good time. Hey, it's, Matt, just I want a quick volleyball. So they got Purdue, Kansas, Wichita State, and Iowa State in the next couple weeks. Uh, and that, Belmont too. 
Belmont. Are they good? Um, well, I mean, I relatively, they're supposed to they're supposed to win their league, so they'll be an NCAA tournament team. I mean, those are all on the road. That just seems like that just seems. I mean, obviously, Purdue's ranked. It says Kansas is top ten. It just seems yeah. like that's that that that's a spot where, you know, seems like some trap games there. I don't know. Is that something? Uh, about, five or? of their five of their next six games are against top twenty five teams. So you know, Jeez. Yeah. shoulder shrug. I mean. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, no, I, I just I just haven't seen a schedule like this in my life. Anyone, anywhere, any sport, as no one has ever put together just an, a, a, a massive insanity like Kirsten Berthumpers did. Like, I don't, I don't even. It's stunning. Like I, her, her team is literally, and her team doesn't really care. Like they're excited to play all these matches. You know, this is what they want. They want to play the best every single day. And, if and, you, and so, if you do well, but it's still like I can't believe they were able to put a schedule like this together. It's the best schedule I've ever seen in my life. Right, and they're not going to lose more games <laughs> than they're going to win. And so, not only is it a strong schedule, right. you're going to get the dubs you need, and then yeah. the computer metrics are going to be through the roof. So that isn't just a dream that you're having about potentially hosting. Uh, a long no. way through the NCAA tournament, right? It's not a dream. They need to lose. They need to lose. They need to lose like three Big East games for it not to happen. Now at this point, and they also need. They're to they're essentially and turn in their paperwork or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. Just right. Three Big East somebody games said, and don't somebody said a yeah. somebody said a friggin' Outlook reminder or something. Okay. <laughs> Because we're not doing that. Right, it just sends one to her ass in his pocket. <laughs> hey, don't forget to submit. Butch, wake up. Yeah, no, no, no but it's, it's, it's kind of, no, they really are pretty close to. I know. I mean, just if they if they stay healthy, they're pretty close to like a lock to host at this point. So, yeah, I mean, there's, See, there's they, you know, they're not they're not even talking about that at all, but, you know, because you're never going to get them to, but, right. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, they, that's they have wins over Washington, Washington, wins over Washington, Kentucky, Northern Iowa in the bag already. Kidding me? Yeah. That's yeah. So only going. That's up. why you're using all of the WBR coffers to go on the road to KU, right? Because they're not going to be on the road for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, KU KU is the easy too. Like that's Lawrence is my. I mean, other than them keying the rental car last year, which that's damn you Jayhawks fans, but that's Ooh. amazing. Jay- but it's okay because they keyed the rental car and then Creighton eliminated their volleyball team. So it you happened win. like that. You win. In that order. Are you going yeah, to Wichita? So I, I went are, home happy. Are you going to go to Wichita? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> you, are you, you, better buy, you better buy. Against my better, are you against my better with, judgment. Are you, staying with, are you staying with Greg? With Craig. Greg. Oh, yeah. He's probably got a huge house. With like yeah, tons I'm gonna hang of watches, out and discuss tons of overseas. We're gonna talk watches. about Cre- we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that home and home that he wants against Creighton that he really oh, doesn't want. Yeah, that'd be fun. Never. Okay. Uh, Never. You don't want to roast again. No. Do, yeah, do you, yeah, you want to give Creighton? Do you want to give Wish State that handout now that they're part of like the American Athletic, whatever that is now? Yeah, that's gonna be mid major still. Them. I mean, not to get back on the college hoops deal. Conference. Can you? I cannot wait to watch Cincinnati and Wichita play defense oh, against each other. It's gonna be, gonna be so, so great. It's gonna be it's good. Gonna be so great. That's gonna be it's gonna good. Be great. It's gonna be. It's gonna be like six fights. Fights and scratches and all sorts of shit. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, uh, Greg's gonna get teed up so many times. Oh, Mick Cronin's gonna go ballistic. <laughs> uh, Greg Marshall versus Mick Cronin. Right. Oh, that's gonna be so good. Who's gonna wear more that's pinstripes on their suits? It. 
they are they are going to get brought back down to earth. And granted, I know they got a good team this year, Wichita State, but they, you know they're going to find it much tougher than they realize going yeah. to all these stadiums. And these, these are they'll probably win. They'll, they'll probably win that league. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. I think they. I think on paper they have the best. There's, teams. there's some. I, just, I don't think they're ready there's some for bad that. basketball in that league. Yeah, but the, the, there's some good top end talent, and I don't think that. I think they're going to be shocked when a team like UConn, who's crappy but it's got good players, comes into Wichita on yeah. a Tuesday. They're not going to be, you know. I just think that that those Tuesday night February games, those are the ones that you really find out what kind of program you have. And I think that they're going to find that tougher than they think. You know, they think they're impenetrable at home. I I don't think any of those guys from should... Cincinnati or, or wherever are going to be are going to be bogged down going to Wichita. I think they're going to. Have you guys ever been to? Have you guys ever been to a game at Wichita before? Not no, baseball. No, but not basketball. I can't even picture Cincinnati rolling into that to that arena. Like that's gonna be weird looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like that's that just doesn't make sense. Let's be honest. I mean, it's kinda, not the glitz and glamour. Kind of like Georgetown coming to Omaha. Was, yeah, that was how it was with us. I mean, I felt like the first two or three seasons just felt weird, and it felt weird yeah, to see the teams yeah. come in the building. I mean, we've sat Saint behind John. the I mean, bench, you know, every year. But since but, I was but guys, but guys, Wichita State has a leather couch. In their arena, like, <laughs> they literally have a leather couch in the corner of the arena. It's like the upgrade seat. It's like you know that you know how when you yeah. know how when Billy Blue Jay like goes and finds two lucky fans to move down to like you know the hoopty doo seats yeah. at CenturyLink. You know sure. that? Yeah. Yeah. I wish at Wichita they get the leather couch on the court on like the far right corner of the court. And now they how, probably how, have more because they got the big fat chest to join the new how, conference. So yeah. now it's they bought more leather. They bought more leather couches. They brought like four leather couches. Yeah. For the for the fifty for the fifty Wichita State fans listening to this podcast, what do you think they're doing right now? Oh. You think they're relishing in us talking about them here oh, at yeah. ten o'clock on a Tuesday? For sure. Oh, probably, probably. You can ask them because I'm sure they'll I be down. Never, I still can't get over it. You're gonna you'll be able to ask them because they're gonna show up. Those are the same fans that'll show up grumpy to watch Wichita State and Creighton play volleyball, even though those people are probably gonna see the volleyball match in their lives. But they're just coming because they hate Creighton. So you can yeah, ask them true. there, Matt. Yeah, and you're there. So. I told you guys a story about the last time I went down there, right? Uh, no. I mean, I'm sure you did, but I usually black out Wichita State stuff. Oh. So. <laughs> no. What happened? I, it was for women's basketball last year. Yeah, the beginning of the season. It was like part of that first weekend or whatever. So I roll up into the parking lot about a couple hours early, and they have the parking lot attendant there. So I'm like, where does, uh, you know, where should I park? I'm uh, covering the game or whatever from out of town. And he's like, I don't, I wasn't wearing anything Creighton like related. I was wearing like neutral colors, you know. Sure. But he's like, where are you from? I'm like Omaha. He's like, what are you, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm covering the Creighton Wichita State game. He's like, you report on Creighton. I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, well, you want to turn around and take <laughs> head on head on back to Omaha? I was like, what? Oh, he's like, yeah, just go back home. We don't want you here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Wichita, I love you. So literally, like, even in a neutral, I was wearing neutral colors, like, you know, coming from just trying to cover the games. Like, no, we don't like creating people. I was like, (laughs) well, feelings mutual, buddy. Where should I park? That was fantastic. Do your job. I know. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll be in Wichita in two weeks. Can't wait. (laughs) Wow. They're going to print that on a billboard (laughs) for the travel bureau. I'll be in Wichita. Can't wait. Yeah. If they can spell it right. Damn, that's a good way to end. That's a good, oh, that was a good one. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Volleyball's awesome. Um, Men's soccer's going to get there. Uh, 
basketball just you know it's like an episode of Rolling. it's like the blue chips sequel rolling down, in, down the hilltop basketball's Sha- rolling Shaq's gonna show up soon uh or Ian Steer yeah. um what else anything you guys want to cover um no got some ice cream right ice cream for the recruit ice cream for gravy. the recruit cookies and cookies and cream cookies and gravy ice cream it's kind of cold outside should we go back to, should we go back are we going back to gravy it's kind of cold outside now it's like chilly yeah but it's gonna get warm for Soctoberfest so Get really warm. Is it? Yeah. It's gonna Are be you guys warm. going to Oktoberfest? Oh yeah. I think I'm gonna bring the boys. You guys, you guys, so. you guys got your stein. You guys you have your steins already. No, I've got all. I got every year stein. That's See. a it's a household tradition. Yeah, I've got the first two, yeah. and then we were out of town for third, and then so my tradition was snapped. But then I also have not used those steins, and they kind of take up a lot of space. So now they're big. Probably, yeah, I'll probably just drink out of Joey's or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I've actually been able to enjoy a Oktoberfest from an alcoholic standpoint, just because I'm usually writing about the match. So sure. they usually don't like to have media members drinking when you're covering the thing. They did when you know, I went to the Wichita State baseball games back in the day. So there you go. Did they really? No, but they did have a keg. They had like a keg near the media like banquet room. It's pretty sweet. Hey, just just awesome. FYI, the after party at Oktoberfest on the lawn after the game's over and the media and the coaches are done. That's when things get wild. Let me just tell you that. Really? Oh yeah, Dang. the coaches get the coaches get a stein, and it's pretty entertaining. Well, now I so just, kinda, now I just want to save my money and go to that. Yeah, no, you just they, they you help clean up, you help all the facility staff clean up. It's great. It's actually, the I think we just be, I think Joey just ruined the business for Oktoberfest this year. <laughs> <laughs> now all the no, fans are gonna be like, dude, I, I, we gotta go after the match. No, now he just made sure that he's got beer in his stein because I think the last time I went, man, the line was just through the roof. So, really, everybody get there, get there early, get your steins, get drinking, have fun, but safe. Do it safe. safely. Safely. And then make sure that the Jays can beat South Florida. So, um, so hey, Matt, we, what's, Matt, what's Matt? What's your prediction for this weekend in KC or Kansas? Ooh, interesting. Oh, man, Purdue and Florida, Purdue and Kansas are really good. Um, they be happy with one and two on the road. Oh yeah, I'd be happy with one and two just because. Yeah, I'll say two. I'll say two and one though. I say they get they get one of Kansas or Purdue. I'd say they even get Kansas. Actually, you know what? I'll say they Ooh, get Kansas. Nice. So I'll predict a Saturday night win. You don't think Demke is gonna gonna stick it back at Purdue after leaving there and uh, no one there? God, you know what's funny is I think she, I honestly think she really wants to, even though they won't admit it publicly. I know that that, I know she really wants to beat Purdue pretty good. So yeah, she um, on the but, telecast afterwards. She she wants those guys to do well when she's not playing them. But there, you know, she's got she's got that fire in her eyes, which is great. And I yeah, I just I think she's gonna really be up for that game. So yeah, be great. No, I agree. I just I just don't know about. I, I'm not. I'm not totally confident on Creighton's early morning tournament performances. And they am on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. But I mean, Purdue has to do the same thing. I just don't. I haven't seen. I don't know about Creighton's track record in that early match. So I'm more confident in the 7:30 against KU, mainly because they've seen KU a lot and they have them. They have them scouted pretty well. So. Does 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 that uh, Hickman freshman? Does her sister play for KU? Is is that the is not, connection there? Not yet. She will oh, in okay. a couple of years. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, Hickman's from Lawrence, so Creighton's got a you know took a kid out of their backyard. If you want to talk about a Mitchell Ballack yeah, type of thing, so yeah, Zach Harvey down the road. 
Sorry. And that's Zach Harvey in 2019, full circle. There we right. go. I like it. Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up, guys. I think. Um, okay. We've, we've, we've. I want to get out on top here. It's been a positive week on the podcast. A lot of good stuff. Got a lot. Got a lot. Got a lot of good ju- uh, mojo going down on the on the hill on the hilltop. So, let's 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 just ride this into the weekend on a short week. So thank you, Lawlers. Everybody, thank you, Lawlers, for all that you've done. Hopefully, there's a ton of Creighton volleyball Lawlers gear kind of bouncing around Soko last weekend. It looked. Oh uh, yeah, I, I walked in the um, other opening. Yeah. This uh, on Friday there was quite a bit of Lawlers Creighton gear hanging out there. So nice. Hopefully, so everybody it got get bought their, up. Yeah, everybody get. They got a couple gear. weeks to get their gear before the Jays come back home, but. Um, plenty of good soccer gear as well to purchase before Soctoberfest this weekend. Um, Jays host South Florida, South Florida at 7:30. Women are in action um, before that in the afternoon. I know we didn't get a chance to talk about women's soccer tonight. Hopefully, we have some better uh, better coverage to to provide next week. They play um, the first game. I think what five o'clock against UMKC on Friday of us Oktoberfest. So hopefully Ross Polly's squad can get a W in the books. They've had a really tough start to the season so far. Uh, winless after dropping um, a match in Omaha to South Dakota State uh, the Sunday of this past weekend, Labor Day weekend. So they're still looking for a W. Men's soccer looking to maybe put together a win streak here. Should be a good event on Friday night. Hopefully all the Jays fans can come out. And uh, hopefully they'll be on their phones tracking uh, tracking volleyball and and, and and tracking us and keeping the uh, keeping the discussion going on social media where um, everybody's been so good to us so far. So anything else you guys want to add before we call it a night? I'm good. Cool. Good. Go Matt, Chase. Matt, Joey, really appreciate you guys hanging out tonight. All the great coverage you guys provide. Joey Tempo, Matt DeMoranis. And for those two guys, I'm Brian Dot. We're going to sign off tonight. Thanks, Jays fans, for tuning in. And have yourself a great week. Good night. And go Blue Jays.